0: I saw the greatest film last night. It was Creed 3, and Michael B. Jordan absolutely did an amazing job telling a story and connecting with audiences, which I believe is the evolution of filmmaking. A new generation, and Keith and I talk about this and many more things on this episode of Hollywood Breaks. Hey, last night I took my
1: entire family to see the movie Creed. Wow. Family, entire family, appropriate? Oh, you got all teenagers, so I guess it's...
0: It is. Well, you know, the... The new cuss word that's okay is the word shit. Apparently, you can say shit everywhere, including television and on Disney. Like your kid, the word shit doesn't. 15. It doesn't. <laughs> nobody cares about that word anymore. So then they, they throw like, they throw shit in every form of it in every way. But yeah, no F words, no, no crazy.
1: Well, the F word gets you. you got, I think you get one F word in PG 13. Maybe.
0: Well, there was and like a, there was a piece of music that they threw that that word was OK, but absolutely Michael B. Jordan killed. He was the director. He killed yes. this movie. It was I mean, like a, it was good killed, not bad killed. Um, the fight scene, Keith, you, I'm so excited for you to watch this film. I've never seen a boxing scene like he directed it. And it was fascinating. And the audio, you got to go to the theater. It is pounding you with bass as they're doing. Well, wow,
1: did you see it? Let me ask you this: Did you see it in IMAX? No,
0: just mm. just a regular theater, kind of a cushy seat theater or whatever. But amazing, amazing.
1: When it wasn't three and a half hours, it was only like a little under two. I hope it was. Um,
0: it was the regular run. Yeah. Thank God.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm about to check it out.
0: It okay. was, right. and uh, you know, it's a, it's obviously it's an extension from The Rocky. Yeah. Series, so there's a couple of uh, callbacks, but no Sylvester Stallone, so it's obviously a new evolution of it.
1: Well, interesting enough, Sylvester apparently had some issues, creative issues with the sh- uh, um, movie, but like ooh, he wasn't it's actually, in it. <laughs> that's, 80, that's actually got eighty-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I just looked it up. Wow! I'm telling you, I'm telling you,
0: man, it is. It's a story-driven thing, not just a boxing-driven thing. It's oh, it's that, really good, and I love Michael B. Jordan's just uh, obviously creative
1: vision there. I'm gonna put in the list. Be, yeah, see if I can yeah. get there. That, go to I, it. I want to see it because when I went to see Avatar um, in IMAX, they promoted the fact that Creed Three was going to be in IMAX, and they had Michael B. Jordan talking about how he used IMAX cameras, and so I'm like, ooh, uh, so, I, might yeah, I might go. I that. might go see the IMAX version of it. That's true because. Yeah, he and like he was talking about how he used IMAX cameras, like you know Christopher Nolan does. Um, so I, it, it, was, it was, he's like, you're gonna be, you're gonna see a boxing match like you've never seen it before. So yeah, now, you know who, now, you said it sounds really great and it looks great. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. And
0: let's give credit to the producers because the st- the story was pitched. The writers were uh, totally different writers obviously a brand new director. So first time director, that's a, a pretty, pretty, amazing bet. Um, the evolution of the story was great, but to get it made to follow a storyline, to set up another storyline. I mean, I I'll, I'll say the producers really put out an ma- amazing package together. They did an, an excellent job, sound, audio, music, the uh, acting that, uh, um, all the characters. Fascinating. Really, really great. Wow. That's kind of yeah. awesome. And it was. Um, they got me amped well,
1: to see it. <laughs>
0: yeah, you'll see. You'll see. And uh, I'll say. Majority, if not. And here's how good the movie is. It doesn't. There's no registry for you and looking at it and wondering who the actors are and what color their skin is. But I think now that I think about it right now, I'm going to say. 100% are minority. Wow, but I can't. I couldn't even tell you. It doesn't even. There's no. It was. Dude, this is new Hollywood. It was great. It was my nice. greatest. It's unfortunate. It's Creed three. If Creed one would have,
1: or Creed two. Well, I thought Creed. I mean, well, here's the other question: Do you feel like you have to see the first two to understand the third? Oh,
0: I guess Ivan Drago's son is in here. So there's a there's one, but still, oh, okay. isn't he that some irony? International person or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. um But you don't you don't feel like you have to see the first two in order to enjoy this one. There is no,
0: mm, no, no, no. You could start right now. And we binge watched from Rocky all the way to this leading up to this moment. Oh,
1: crap. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I needed to introduce my kids, too. Ah. By the way, I got to say, looking back, Mr. T was a badass, man. Rocky, Rocky three. It is. Mr. T is angry. That dude is. Angry. He is so he is good. I forgot how, how evil and awesome he was.
1: Yeah, that was a good one. That was, I mean, I, I like everyone loves four just because of its cheesy US versus Russia, but it's still a great one. Five yeah. is kind of a throwaway.
0: Five, we five, we can't, we couldn't get I guess five's the only one we missed, but the Rocky Balboa. Um we saw yep. that. Yep. But you know, four was the soundtrack. It's funny because Eye of the Tiger was actually in three, but it was the Rocky Four soundtrack. That I think came in Columbia Records and Tape. So. Eye
1: of the Tiger was two. Nope. It, Three. No, I'm almost 100% sure that Eye of the Tiger was. Michelle, the you're going to, song to song. For two, <laughs> no. not four. Four is way too late. No, no, it, it wasn't four. All I'm
0: saying is, is we all had the Rocky Four soundtrack because it came in the Columbia Records and Tape collection.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, because you're like Hearts on Fire? I mean, come on. Yeah, it came, it came as part fire. of the.
0: You know, 12 tapes for one penny collection. That was one of the ones yeah. you could get. So that's yes. why we all had it. So we all reference it as a,
1: on that soundtrack, but yeah. It is a great soundtrack. I mean, James Brown with Living in America. That was great. Yeah.
0: Well, what's funny about Rocky Four is you can see the influence of MTV on feature films because it, it's, yeah. that, there's an that entire like music videos in the middle of the movie. And like the eighties had, remember we always had those music montages. So you can have a yeah. pop song in the middle of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, ah, perfect. And then it's the beginning of the title sequence changing too. They had a very different title sequence for four than they had for, um, the other ones were just the word Rocky and, you know, Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four was two gloves. Really, really bad visual.
1: (laughs) That is classic chief ball.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I, I, what was fun is, is to watch, you know, um, Rocky best picture, right? So. There's like a little bit of film history in watching the Rocky series. I'm not saying they're the greatest films of all time, although some people would say that. But the 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 series to walk through from by 1977 to today, right? Sylvester Stallone created a a, a universe as great yeah. as the Marvel universe, right? All these now complicated and great characters that are evolving and changing. Maybe not mm-hmm. as great as the Marvel universe, but you know what I mean. Like it's carried on in his entire career. Um, Quite a legacy. Well,
1: yeah, he created a universe. You're right. He created a, he created like a, a universe of Rocky Balboa. And you have all these offshoots. And you know, I thought Creed was really well done. And then Creed Two I thought was pretty well done. And then obviously, as you said, three is really great. And I think it's interesting that you brought up it's sort of like a new Hollywood. I think that's a really good point because Michael B. Jordan directed it. Um, it's sort of like and you know, either shot with IMAX cameras actually promote the fact that they used IMAX in front of an IMAX movie, which they don't always do. Um, They did a little bit for Dark Knight when they released the first six minutes. That was sort of like, come see it. That was the only aspect they shot in IMAX. Um, But it's interesting because it's sort of shifting this idea that you have to make it a more sort of immersive experience versus just a typical plain old movie and
0: um, well and he I swear he used the entire palette when he made it you'll see the scenes the the battle for Los Angeles take place takes place in the um, Dodger Stadium and just okay. the lighting and the tone and then again the boxing series I'm not even going to try explain it you just have to watch this well
1: that was funny because that's it's interesting you bring that up because that was something mm-hmm. that Michael B Jordan referenced in the spot that I saw before Avatar like you you're never you're not gonna be able to experience boxing like this ever again. Because it's yeah. sort of like this is the first time you're gonna see, it. you're gonna get in there, you're gonna hear the shoes, you're gonna feel the sweat, you're gonna feel the hits. Like he was really pumping it up, like this is gonna be unlike anything you've ever seen before. He's right. And you know, that that's what you gotta do. He's right. And now apparently, as you said, he was spot on. So um, yeah, it's
0: a, the tired series of, again, if you've been watched, you'll see, but, you know, you'll understand. But the tired series of like round one, round two, this montage of hits and whatever, yeah, yeah. trying to tell a story in the ring, which right. is very complicated. You have to imagine all the different storylines you have to play out only with two guys punching each other. Yeah, but it's a, a redemption game and the equal hits or whatever. But they transform that idea of round three to round 12. It it plays itself out on a store on a timeline that is incredible.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, right now is showing, I think, between thirty-eight and forty million, which is great. Go movie theaters. But uh so by, by the way you're talking, it sounds like it might exceed that. I'll be interested to see what the cinema score is this weekend. If they're like AA plus, then it, this thing could have some serious legs. Yeah. Um, and even it feels maybe even good like forward.
0: That's what it feels like. It feels like the same kind of jolt you got watching a throwback storyline in a new setting. It feels right. very in- contemporary that way. So yeah, that's I think great. it's the beginning of a, a new understanding of Hollywood, what it, what it takes to make a film opportunity. Well, let's
1: hope that's the direction it takes. I mean, I don't have much faith in current leadership of Hollywood. So <laughs> this yeah. may be a one-off, but um, hopefully, you know, if it does really well... Um, you know, that could be a good sign for sort of finding the next generation. I'm glad Michael e. Jordan directed it. It's great that he did a solid job. That means he's probably going to get another movie, which is awesome because oh, he we will. need a, new, a next generation of directors, um, not yeah. Spielberg, you know, the usual Scorsese, yeah. the ones we always talk about who are now old, we need a new generation. And it's great to hear that he sort of has elevated the game and that's what we need in this business right now.
0: You know it's also fascinating me in the theaters is this Jesus Revolution movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I clearly because of my personal faith, I've seen a lot of Christian films yeah, and that's... they drive me crazy. They're they're there's just they're just so tone deaf to what we want to see and feel when right. going to a theater. They're very I understand the purpose of a Christian film and the audience, the demographic is very clear and a lot of people use film to preach a sermon and it feels all films feel very much like that but take this historical event of chuck smith and costa mesa in the 70s and what it meant for inclusion it really was a revolution they called it the jesus revolution right the jesus movement right um i think it was called the jesus movement um but there was a contemporary thing that took place that that formed in that 70s not unlike how blockbusters films came about there was a there was a major church church growth movement in that same demographic, speeding that same uh, storyline. And to see that play itself out with Kelsey Grammer um yeah. acting in it. It's very mainstream, seems to be getting some notoriety. But of course, I I also go to church. So um <laughs> the people I hang out with that are watching the movies, it's, I don't have a very clear demographic of people that don't go to church.
1: Well, it's it's funny because um I th- believe the gentleman the character who played the the guy who sort of led the revolution he's yeah. from that hit show The Chosen. He plays actually I think he's Jesus in the show The Chosen which is all about Jesus recruiting his apostles. Um and I th- yeah and I think it's the same production company if I'm not mistaken. So
0: Yeah, it is um it's the um oh my I don't know the
1: name of it. This is
0: when I I would fail seminary if I didn't know the answer to this right now, right? But the um the producers of it are the Irwin brothers.
1: The Irwin the brothers. Irwin, That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also this
0: guy, Kevin Downs, I've been watching his career forever. I, I worked on a film a few years ago called The Lost Medallion, and Kevin Downs was part of it. Kevin Downs was like the kid in the youth group that would carry around video cameras and make films back in the day. And for years, he's been making these Christian films, and many of them aren't things that we would like. But I want to f- say recently, there's been a lot um that he's that they've been evolving even in their ability to tell stories and yeah this is
1: seems to be right in line with what they're doing and they obviously get i'm looking at the cast list right now and devon franklin is plays a character and he is a hollywood exec who i think has a deal at sony and it's to produce faith-based film because i think he's a he's a preacher yeah. Who is, is involved in, uh, in, he does sort of faith based, uh, faith based films.
0: Yes. Yeah, Sony's been so. recognizing this for years and actually been backing it up. There was, was, there was a film a few years ago called Mom's Night Out, super like on the comedic front. Um, it yeah. was like Sean Astin and it was clever and funny. And you saw a couple of these um, Christian uh, guys in that film too. That you're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, of course, that's the throwback. And Kevin Downs actually play, often plays a role. He or his brother either play a role in the film, so they have they have kind of fun in this genre. Right. But I but this one is my feeling like I, to to pull in a Kelsey Grammer and to get some a mainstream play. I'm just telling you, it's from from the, what I usually hear about from the Christian audience on the films they do, you, yeah. you, you kind of know what you're getting into and this one feels like it hit a little bit more of a contemporary tone.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because um, the entertainment strategy guy who, you know, we, we talked a lot about the audience deep dive, the four-part audience deep dive he did a few months back. And one of the aspects was, yes, the religiosity of the country is dropping, but it's still a huge audience. Huge, yeah. And you you can't just ignore it there's an opportunity there, but you also can't just throw at, throw at them crap, which they're going to recognize as not true to the scripture or something that's trying to parlay a message that they may not necessarily agree with. You, know, it, It's sort of like going back to the old, you know, big sort of 10 commandment type movies where they just told a biblical story. And this is sort of like one where they're just telling a contemporary story where it was sort of like, uh, a revitalization during a time of great unrest, you know, during the late sixties, when everyone felt like the country was falling apart, there was this little thing happening in Southern California of all places. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's interesting to tell those kinds of stories. And I think the Irwin brothers do it in a way that doesn't feel preachy. They're just <laughs> telling a story. And I I think, story. and it has that sort of religious component and they respect it. They don't treat it like it's some sort of, you know, crazy you know, a bunch of wackos who don't really know what they're doing kind of thing. It's more taught from, you know, told from a more perspective, uh, uh, analysis that shows some respect for the audience.
0: Yeah, it feels very much that way. I think that they've they've gotten their their feet underneath them, I guess. So they're, they, they got this thing and they and the Downs brothers, I think there's things that they have learned along the way of what it yeah. means to tell a story and not be too much in your face. I right. think their breakthrough film was October Baby which actually got a, a really good mainstream play and it yeah. was a, a um a, you know the storyline there was a contemporary christian concept right but they were also telling a human story and i think it's yeah. the human experience that this focuses on as well because there was a group of people disenchanted by their culture and looking for some sort of truth or some sort of understanding. And that human experience that they lived out is a real experience. It doesn't yeah. need to have an overtone of saccharine Christianity and right. you know, Bible thumping to make Yes, higher legitimate actors, for goodness sakes. <clears throat> it always felt like there was C plus B actors going into Christian films because they had no budgets to
1: have a legitimate budget. <laughs> I think it's about 15 right. million, but it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. I think there, there's some there's a there's definitely a shift happening because uh you know Mark Wahlberg is not quiet about his faith at all. Um he's out now promoting a, a Catholic prayer app. Um and he, you know, he came out and he was on the Today Show not too long ago and he said, Listen, I'm not quite about my faith. It's not exactly something that's popular in my industry, which is actually true. <laughs> right. Um so it's interesting because you know Father Stu did really well. Didn't it do so great in box office, but it did really well in streaming. So there's definitely an aspect that there's there's an audience there, and I think that's what entertainment strategy guys' point was. Like there's there's an audience there that is that wants that wants to be s- sold stories and told stories, and you can't just ignore them. Um, you can't go out and spend hundred million dollars and expect to make your money back. But if you're smart about it, like they obviously are in Jesus Revolution, I don't know what the budget was, but I'm sure they've made yeah, so their budget. 15 million back and, and then some at this point. And their print's probably gonna just keep going and going and going, not to mention what their, you know, streaming and uh SVOD numbers are gonna look like. So, you know, yeah. I, I think it's 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 important <laughs> to recognize that there's still an audience there and you know, I think a lot of the other studios, I mean, this was all, I think Lionsgate released this one. Sony's yeah. obviously a little bit involved, but none of the other studios have really touched it all.
0: Well, um, I think that you, um, if you're at Disney, I think that you're,
1: I you think know, you Disney, play a
0: totally different game in,
1: in the world. Yeah, but they, they, they have, they're trying to peel. Paramount has everybody. its own
0: niche, but if you think about this, it makes a lot of sense, right? If it's the end of the blockbuster, then it's really the niche movies that we're talking about. We're talking about an, an evolution of film making or film acceptance. And you can create, Niche movies or niche audience. We don't have to do $400 million movie budgets and trillion dollar returns in order for it to be successful. We have a long play model now. We have the ability for it to play once and very super long tail in its uh, ability to view. OTT Mm -hmm. platforms are monetizing in different ways. And theaters, they're happy to have anything, any kind of experience. So it makes sense that the human experience films are the ones that people are relating to instead of. Getting another visual effects phenomenon. Not that they're not bad. Clearly, Avatars done, did very, very well this year. And right ant-man is kind of proving like you can't just throw anything at the screen and make it look so there's something that's evolution we're seeing it it's pretty interesting because yeah it's kind of crashed on us didn't it like it yeah it didn't do very well in the ratings to begin with but
1: kind of crashed well it's one more point i want to make before we start talking about ant-man is like it's interesting you bring about human experience because i think that's a lot what creed 3 is creed 3 is very much about a human experience of a guy whose father was well known he didn't really know him He's trying to live up to that image and then he starts creating his own image but then oh, oh then there's still his past that we we didn't really know much about in no. three one but now we're sort of getting more of the backstory in three but it's still sort of like that human experience of what we're all kind of we all have moments in our life that are sort of similar to that and you know jesus revolution is very i think relevant to our time because i think there's a lot of people that feel like things are crashing around them and they need something that gives their lives meaning so I think that's definitely something. There's definitely something a shift happening. And you're right, theaters need products. So I'm hoping we see more of that. Now, yeah. as regards to Ant-Man, um, yeah, it had a great opening weekend, stellar opening weekend. Kudos to Assad and the team at Disney because they opened up that sucker. you know, like you were supposed to as a marketing team. But the second week was down almost, I think 68%, almost, almost 70%. Jeez, are you serious? Which is not great. The, I mean, this is not entirely. unexpected the reviews were not great it was the worst reviewed marvel movie next to the eternals i think on rotten tomatoes and their similar score i think was a b minus which is just horrendous like that that, that, these were all i mean i don't think marvel was particularly shocked by any of this or disney in general because they kind of saw it coming um especially when you get numbers like that but i think this this is telling the tale that marvel like I said this in my newsletter this week, I'm never going to bet against Kevin Feige and Marvel. They've done a phenomenal job. Their movies still make hundreds of millions of dollars, but the problem is they're starting to damage, they're tarnish the brand a little bit. And I think when you're when Ant Man is supposed to launch the next phase of the Marvel Universe, of so the cinematic universe, and this is what you get—a sort of an uneven product. Then I think you gotta have to take a step back.
0: Yeah, and it I would think, be too too bad if it was like they they said this is the end of the Paul Rudd, you know, career in right. the Marvel universe it's from sexiest man alive to bombing in, in this <laughs> what a, what a career
1: yeah but, the, uh, the worst Ant Man movie but it'd be yeah. sad
0: if it was like just they use it as a throwaway for exposition for the next what, like to not have a strong conclusion from one one item yeah. to the next is a, a very unfortunate would say right. part of the Marvel storyline yeah but um I I. I believe it's still just telling the same thing that we believe which is the thought process of big gigantic effects being the accumulation there was something different in the um in the whole end game phenomenon where they they were it took us so long to it took us you know my kids lifetime to get us up yeah. to that moment but my kids are no longer think that's a phenomenon anymore, or even right. to reset. Oh, do they want to okay. restart something they've lived their whole lifetime? No, I think they want to evolve themselves, and they're looking for a connectivity in, in some some other type of uh, entertainment form if it's not going to actually come in film.
1: Yeah, I think that. I mean, that's the challenge, isn't it? It's because when Iron Man came out, it was such a game changer. You know, not only was it Robert Downey Jr., um, you know. <clears throat> and sort of marvel it was one of the i think it was the first movie that marvel released that sort of like they had their own they had produced it because they had investment so it's sort of like this and then it just built and then there all these movies were like interchangeable and it was like it told it was like one complete
0: that's why to me like it's captain america that was the game changer because iron man by itself although great film and beginning the storyline we didn't yet yeah. understand how the storyline played itself out until captain Mare kind of showed up right and he was yes. another just like iron man unknown he was he's not S- superman spider-man batman person right. he these are characters we were being introduced to uh, on the cinematic right. side obviously the comic
1: book side or notes who they are but and you sort of go from that that experience which was phenomenal and you said it was like over 12 years and countless films and and they wrapped it up in a nice, neat bow at the end of Endgame. And it was sort of like, okay, what's next? And it's mm-hmm. sort of like they just want to be, okay, we're just going to tell another story. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not going to be enough. Now, again, you know, the good news for Feige and his team is you know, Iger's announcement, they're going to cut back on quote-unquote general entertainment, which means sounds like they're going to cut back on Marvel as well. Is good for Feige and his team because now they can start focusing on the quality versus the quantity. I think they were just turning out shows because that was sort of the, the edict from on high. We need to feed the beasts, start telling the stale stories that you've always wanted to tell, but we just haven't really been able to. Well, now we do we we have the money, we're gonna spend it, so let's go do it. And then you start to of see the, the sort of unevenness starting to show up because regardless of whether or not anyone loved the last two Avengers movies, they were entertaining. Yes, they were a little long, but at the end of the day, it was like such a great little wrap-up yeah. to sort of this universe that had been going on for so many years. And now it's like, well, Marvel going to see a Marvel movie isn't a guarantee that the movie is going to be good. So I think that in and of itself is a problem that Marvel is going to have to address. Again, I don't want to bet against Kevin Feige. I'm sure he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. He still has X-Men. He still has a fantastic four. He still has a lot more properties that he can expose and, you know, exploit, although that might not be the word, but, you know, I think he's got to start thinking of other ways to do it versus just these big movies now that just aren't, it's going to, yeah, you'll have a great opening weekend, but if you have drops like this for Ant Man, then if the returns are not going to be there, and
0: I'd say this like I almost, I know it sounds counterintuitive because to be a fan of films, you don't want anything to fail, and you appreciate the hard work that people put in something, especially investment and in time and dedication to something like the Marvel Universe. But I'm kind of excited that we're moving on. I think that it's played itself out. There's something anew to tale to tale. I think there's a new challenge to take on. Disney's going to have to grow up. They invested a few billion dollars is something and got a greater return on that. And now it's time for them to evolve into something different. And yeah. I want the, I want the young filmmakers to get an opportunity to try something new. I don't want it to be dominated with visual effects films, taking over four out of five theaters at my local cineplex. Yeah. Like where, where's the, where's the edge for me, for any filmmaker to get in and make something new. I think that evolution is, is really, really great. And this year's I mean, Oscars seems to be challenging us in that same way. Like yeah. there's, a great opportunity now to say something different. I think Marvel feels... I mean, Maverick feels like a throwback, but it's saying something, right? There's a nostalgia resonating with us um, yeah. that worked itself out well there. Avatar in the theaters is doing something similar, although I don't have a nostalgia feeling for Avatar. But no. but there is a little bit at play here, and I think we're going to see something... I don't know. I'm excited. I mean, let's set our clocks, but I'm going to say like, in the next 12 months, I think we're going to see... A, a push towards something new in the theater.
1: Well, or I would hope I say so. punch.
0: Should we say a slap towards something? No, a slap know.
1: might be a slap. But uh, <laughs> you know, we're not, they're not abandoning the Marvel. They they've already laid out the next phase, so they'll probably keep moving forward with it because sure. it's still it's still you know doing well. I mean, the drop was not spectacular. Dude, it's, a,
0: it's a billion dollar investment. They got <laughs> to I
1: think. Keep... I, yeah, they're not going to abandon ship. But uh, you know, and we'll see how much. Excuse me. We'll see how much Creed Three takes out of their box office this weekend, probably a sizable chunk. But I, it's, it's, not, it's not the end of the Marvel era per se. And, you know, again, the optimistic side of me wants to say that you're right, that this will be the, the beginning of something new. And, you know, maybe we'll see an evolution, but we've started to see the little bits and pieces of it, but it's not going to continue unless, again, we get some new blood in there. And it's not, just the, it's not just the direct, it's not just the talent. It's also in the studio suites. I mean, they just announced yesterday or this week that Courtney Valenti has just been hired at Amazon. Courtney Valenti has been around for like 30 plus years. Yeah, she's had some hits and yeah, okay, great. I wish her all the best, but why can't they find somebody younger? Like, why do they have to go for these people that have been around forever and just doing the same damn thing over and over again?
0: Well, right now, they have to choose experience because we have a downturn in the economy, down to the market, and they're pretending confidence, right? So they're saying, okay, we're not going to do anything fair. new. This is a preservation motion, not a promotion moment. But this okay. is what gives birth to the next movement. Okay, like the, This is end of phase, just like end of phase for Marvel. This is end of phase <laughs> for, for that thing. <laughs> and this new, I mean, I hope like we start shaking things up, man. This is going to be great. Yeah, hey, listen, we have to I wrap so. up, but I want one more. I just want to make one more quick comment of about like, well, I should say it like this. I know who's not watching Netflix this weekend. The Chris Rock special that's coming up is yeah. so interesting to me because one, what a genius move to do a live event clearly before the Oscars. Obviously, playing on a shocking yes. moment that we all can remember, but to go live, Netflix live—that's a—that's yeah. a new, that's a launch of a new thing, right?
1: 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, And they did. I guess uh, they did a test run uh, this past week, and everything went well technology wise. So, this could be a huge game changer. If, if you know, I mean, Netflix dived a little bit into the uh, live space, I think with the SAG Awards, but this is like their first like live event event, like with an actual talent. Um, so, this could bode another the next year that uh, Netflix downshifts to in terms of. Their, 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 quali- their product because sports is obviously right around the corner.
0: Yeah. Years ago in the broadcast space, you were hearing the broadcasters talk about li- politics and sports, whereas where um, television was going to make its money in the future because it was right. the only live event and all the content was moving. All the other content was being moved and watched very differently, like binge watching and even even back when I was here in the days, people were talking about getting the DVD set to watch it. So they've been talking about this for nearly 20 years. But now for OTT to be standing on Hulu did this and now it's on a platform of like, no, you don't own live either. Well, this is entertainment and politics and sports all together in one live event coming up with Chris Rock because we're talking about something that we all need reconciliation for and for them to snatch that moment and then not just to throw it away. But to yeah. take that moment and evolve Netflix, it's going to be a major draw on some major servers. There's going to be a lot of like server fans blowing like crazy on Saturday night.
1: It's going to be like, it's going to explode on Twitter, I'm sure. I mean, he hasn't really said much other than a couple road testing, a couple of jokes. So this will be his first real event that's sort of broadcast wide to talking about what happened almost a year ago. And to do it a week before the Oscars is just absolutely brilliant. Because everyone's going to be talking about it. Everyone's going to be talking about, oh, you remember what happened last year—the slap, la la. You know, and then here we Everybody go. Everybody but Will Rock. Smith.
0: Will Smith's the one person I know will not be watching Netflix this week. He will not he be, might be watching
1: have... Netflix, and yeah. he might, he might be keep uh, his distance this uh, this week.
0: <laughs> I have a feeling. Um, I have a feeling uh, Will Smith actually already has canceled his Netflix subscription. I think he probably. Went,
1: I'm, yeah, not gonna He's happen. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not paying for this month. I'm gonna re up next month. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he has YouTube so he can make he can watch Red Table and see what his wife's up to, but he yeah, don't yeah, think yeah, he's exactly. watching Netflix. <laughs> there you go. All right, my friend. Well, maybe I'll see you soon in New York City. I'm going there yeah, next week. We'll, we'll see. see yourself soon. And we yeah. have Oscar specials coming up. Um yes. we're gonna do a pre pro
1: um, and an after show. So we're gonna after show, dive yes. into so some then, of the uh, politics uh, here. Robin, hopefully Robin Geison will be joining us as well because she's a fan favorite when she comes on for the Oscar stuff. So um, we'll yeah. uh, hopefully see her and then uh, next week, hopefully.
0: Yeah, get some of her Insider's Playbook on this thing. Yep. That'd be great. Well, good to see you. Have a wonderful Likewise. week ahead, and we'll uh, see you next week on the Oscar show. See you next week. bye there.